0: That's actually one of the interesting things about kind of lit RPG in general, because there was a period of time because it kind of, it blew up in the last few years where it's, I mean, pretty much if you look at any of the like top 100 lists, there's always probably a lit RPG in in the top 10, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And because it blew up, there's a lot of people that sort of jumped into it as kind of right to market types. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Where they're just trying to follow a formula and, and do what they want. And um It was weird. There was a period of time where they were trying and they kind of, it seems like now they've kind of backed out a little bit because the one thing that you can't, you can write to market, there's no reason why you can't, Mm -hmm. but the thing that you can't fake about it is this genuine love of nerddom and video games. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can always tell, you can like, the readers can sniff it out a mile away. (laughs)
1: You are listening to the LTN Book Club, a bi-weekly read-along podcast positioned at the intersection of nerd and literary culture. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com book club. For context and a better understanding of the conversation in this episode, please enjoy this audio sample of Party Hard, the first book in the Pixel Dust series by David Petrie The full version of this book is available right now on Audible, along with books 2 and 3 in the series.
2: Max Damage 24 shoved with one hand at a scale fang as it pinned him to the ground. The beast's jaws scraped against the underside of the pistol he gripped in his other hand. He would have shot the thing, but the angle was off, leaving the muzzle of the gun sticking out the side of the creature's mouth like a cigar. Oh Well, at least it wasn't biting him. There had been a second scale fang, but he'd pushed that jerk off the ledge. Granted, he'd also dropped his other gun in the process. Now it was laying on the ground just out of reach. He shoved again at the beast above him, its over muscled neck holding steady as it pushed back in an attempt to eat his face. A droplet of drool fell from its tongue. It would have landed in his mouth if Max's scarf hadn't slipped up over his chin the moment before. He blew a puff of air at the fabric with a frustrated grunt to clear it away from his face. Then another drop of drool fell. Bah, right in my mouth, Max spat right back at the creature. The scale fang didn't seem to care. Get off me, you damn lizard thing, he growled through his teeth. He was glad Kara wasn't around. She'd never let him live down such a bland insult, or for that matter, the fact that he had been caught off guard a minute after he jabbed her for not paying attention to her surroundings. Thinking of her, he glanced at his party readout roasting in the tattooed flames on his wrist. She didn't have time to wait for him. Max wasn't any stronger than he was in the real world. Sure, his stats were high enough, but that only affected his weapon damage. He reached for his other gun, fingertips falling just short. He groaned. He almost would rather it be further away, as if it was teasing him by being so close, yet so far. In the end, he ignored it and opted to punch the scale fang in the neck. It let out a growl that his bare fists couldn't do much more than chip damage. He cursed Noctum's developers for prioritizing the game's realism over giving players enhanced physical capabilities to match their character build. Although it could be worse, it could be Kira. She'd hit him more than enough times to know how limited a fairy's physical strength was. He punched the beast again, hoping to make it flinch. Then he got a brilliant idea. He shoved his wrist into the creature's mouth and held it in place while he yanked his pistol free. Teeth clamped down, illuminating his arm in a glow of crimson puncture marks. Bite me, he shoved the gun into the thing's side and fired. The scale fang reeled backward, letting Max roll out from under its weight. He snatched his other pistol from the ground and fired twice to put down the threat. Max stood as the red glow faded from his wrist, and he spat out his scarf, which had somehow gotten back in his mouth during the struggle. The light scrap of fabric hung halfway off his shoulder, leaving him looking disheveled. He pulled the accessory off and stuffed it down the front of his leather armor to keep the bump to his dexterity that it provided. He could equip it properly later. Right now, he had to get moving. Max raced down the canyon zigzagging path, catching a glimpse of the party below. Kira was at its center, dodging scale fangs and casting every spell she could to stay alive. He still had some way to go when she took a hit. He checked his stat sleeve for her health, hoping she still had a bone charm equipped to take the damage for her. He exhaled when he saw her meager fifty points, right where they belonged, but even with that, he couldn't slow down. No, worse, he had to move faster. The next attack would kill her. He examined the path, finding a place where it doubled back further down. He was still over thirty feet above the canyon floor, but the ledge below was halfway in the middle. It sparked an idea. He glanced at his own health and ran the numbers, estimating the fall damage against his defense and remaining health. He nodded to himself, then took a running leap. His boots hit the ledge with a crunch of crumbling rock, and he lost track of which direction was up for a moment. Then it was obvious. The ground met his feet with a sudden jolt of simulated pain that faded as he tucked his body into a ball. From there, damage registered all over. He rolled, working with the momentum until he found his footing and slid to a stop on one knee between Kira and a few hungry mouths. He drew his pistols in the same motion and opened fire. A cacophony of sound and smoke erupted from his hands, his eyes darting between enemies to make each bullet count. It was his turn to catch the scale fangs by surprise. Swirls of smoke trailed around him until his magazines ran dry, the slides of his pistols locking back empty. The first wave of the culling was finished. Lifeless reptilian bodies littered the ground around him. He stood motionless for a moment, still aiming his guns in opposite directions.
3: Hello and welcome to this episode of the LTN Book Club podcast. I am Madeline Turnipseed, and today joining me is David Petri. I should have asked you how you say your last name. Is that how you say your last name? I apologize.
0: That is how I say last name. And I will say thank you for getting it right. No one does that.
3: Oh, yay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> welcome, David Petri, uh, to our podcast. You are the first author uh, we're going to get to interview. So I'm really excited to have you on today. Uh, David is one of our LTN community members. And back, way back when I said we were starting this podcast, he messaged me and said, hey, I'm an author and I have these books out if you would be interested in uh, reading them. Um, And so I looked him up and I read the first book of his Pixel Dust series, um, Party Hard. And (laughs) that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I know you talk about this on your on your website a little bit but if you wouldn't mind for our listeners what is GameLit or lit rpg is there a difference
0: there is <laughs> um so basically the series in question here is a is actually it's a gamelet series mm-hmm. um so what that all that means is that it takes place in a setting that has a game like atmosphere um where it could be I mean, like, things like Ready Player One, where it's a, it takes place within a video game, that's mm-hmm. gamelet, you know. It could also mm-hmm. be they've been sent to another world, and there's game-like elements there. There could be anything that has game-like elements to it. Um, okay. The part where lit RPG sort of differs from it is that you start to get, like, all these crunchy stats in there. Um, okay. Where, like, people actually, there's, like, you actually have to track levels. So it's it's kind of like you're reading a D&D campaign. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: That's interesting. Um... It seems like this. I guess the first time I ever really thought about this as a genre was not even a book. It was uh, like Sword Art Online. It's kind of yep. my introduction would, to yeah. this is a story based in a video game. Um, yeah. But my my actually, husband has. Go ahead.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say it's actually really interesting. Like, kind of where because it's a relatively new genre um, mm-hmm. that's only been a, around for like maybe last eight years or so. I mean, maybe, yeah. I don't know exactly when it started, but um, it started around the time when like, like Sword Art Online came out. Um, weirdly enough, though, it actually mostly came from Russia. Really? Yeah, that's, that's sort of an odd, like when it, when you get down to like the, the lit RPG stuff, I think from Japan, you got a lot more of the gamelet stuff and uh-huh. from Russia, you got the stuff that like had more stats and, and like tables and charts in the books, you know? Oh,
4: wow.
3: Yeah. Are
0: yeah they- that, that's interesting. I'm-
3: I'm assuming there are English translations of that. If oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty okay. of them.
0: There's, um, there's a whole bunch of them there. I mean, the Russian lit RPG stuff is not, some people love it, some people hate it, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it can kind of go either way with you, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you
3: know, it's, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. Um, I first heard of um, lit RPG stuff as books. My husband has read a few of the the Life Reset books. Oh okay um,
0: yeah I've yeah, I've met the author of
3: that. Oh really? Okay, cool. Um yeah. and so when I realized that you are quasi in the same wheelhouse, I told him, Hey, I'm I'm reading one of these too. Um I have yet to convince him to download yours, he's in the middle of something else right now. But <laughs>
4: That's okay.
3: We're we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I liked about the world of Pixel Dust and Noctum is that uh, your characters are definitely based in our actual world. Like they they come up with references all the time of stuff that your average nerd would recognize. Like the yeah. whole conversation about Farnsworth being from uh, either from Fringe or from I think Max initially said uh, from, from Futurama. Futurama, thank you. I'm blanking. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a lot of books that, that say, Hey, these are nerds and they try and push that they're nerds rather from doing like pop culture references. Instead they do like, I guess how book smart they are. Um, and so Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that you included those aspects. Um,
0: that's actually one of the interesting things about kind of lit RPG in general, because there was a period of time because it kind of, it blew up in the last few years where it's, I mean, pretty much if you look at any of the like top 100 lists, there's, Always probably a lit RPG in, in the top 10, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and because it blew up, there's a lot of people that sort of jumped into it as kind of right to market types, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, where they're just trying to follow a formula and, and do what they want. And um, it was weird. There was a period of time where they were trying and they kind of, it seems like now they've kind of backed out a little bit. Because the one thing that you can't, you can write to market. There's not, no reason why you can't. Mm-hmm. But the thing that you can't fake about it is this genuine love of nerddom and video
3: games. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so you can always tell you could like the readers can sniff it out a mile away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> nice. I, I really liked, I really liked that because I like feeling like that just adds another layer of relatability to your characters. I suppose that it says, Hey, these people like all the same things that you do and they've watched yeah, all of these shows. That, a that was really shows. a big goal of it. Mm-hmm. That Really well done. Um, but one thing new that you did do is you have, while there's recognizable classes in the world of hmm. Noctum, um, you've given them all original names. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about why you decided to do that?
0: I mean, basically, I mean, as far as classes go, there's, there's sort of like two paths you'll get in the genres. You'll get some characters that are kind of very, I don't know, Skyrim-ish, where it's, mm-hmm. it's a character that can do everything and, and they just... Um, like whatever they want to do, they can learn and, you know, they don't really need help from anyone. And I really wanted to make something that was much more class specific that pretty much no one, no single character can do everything or survive on their own. So I mm-hmm. wanted there to be a lot of dependence amongst the party. Um, Cause it's really, a, it's a book about friendship and I wanted that to be yeah. kind of firm in the, mecha- the mechanic as well. So I want a lot of the, the class to be recognizable um, that you can kind of get, get a hint of what, what they're supposed to be and, and how they react. You know, and just giving them a name that suggests that, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. worked out for me. Um mm-hmm. it's a little bit different from the 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 more classic tropes, you know.
4: yeah,
3: yeah. Uh the one that I was the least kind of have had the most trouble making a comparison to would probably be um Max Damage 24's class, the the Fury.
0: Yeah. Which I mean basically he's a complex thing because it's just it's He's the character himself is based around, um, he's based around the energy that, like, he's based off the energy that a lot of guys get when they're winning at video games.
4: Yes. Um, so he's just like
0: all, all bravado and, and you know,
4: Mm
0: -hmm. um, just dual wielding pistols and whatnot, you know, just unrealistic and unreasonable combat.
3: (laughs) But, but really fun to, to watch. And I'm, I'm sure if this was a game to actually play, um, Honestly, I was surprised that there weren't more Furies that we crossed paths with in the, in the first book just because it seemed like such a fun class to be. Um, but yeah, I think... It's,
0: it's one of those ones where it's... Um, sorry, um, if I inter- interrupt. Yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. Go um, ahead. I don't want to talk over you. Um, the, uh, I think the thing about like gunslingers, because there's always a problem in fantasy settings when you put guns into it, mm-hmm. um, where once you include magic and guns, it's sort of like, well, one of them's going to beat the other, right? You know? mm-hmm. um, and in this, it, he has the same problem where um, there's once you put in things like shields and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, guns can only get so far when you get to like PvP and everything, but because it's meant to be a system that's one player supporting another, it kind of still works and fits in, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's still a tricky yeah. class to play, and I mean, if you do continue the series, there is an, another fury that um you will get to meet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've started. I've started um, second book,
0: but oh really? I'm
3: not that yeah. far. In yep, started Pyramid nice. Game this week.
0: Cool. That's actually. Um, I think that's the one that is probably most readers' favorite. Really. Yeah.
3: It does. So I don't think this is a spoiler, uh, but it does seem that you are like whereas this first book uh, was set up towards one type of fight that you might find in a in an open world video game. Mm-hmm. Um pyramid game is set up towards another type of fight. So I think I think just that um conceit in general will I'm hoping set us up to to meet a lot more players in the game.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You, the the cast gets <laughs> a little bit large. I feel bad for the um uh Travis who's my the narrator of the audiobook. I would mm-hmm. feel bad because I think there's one chapter in the third book where I think he's gonna do eighteen different voices in the same chapter.
4: <laughs> oh gosh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: that's fun. that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He enjoys it. It's okay.
3: (laughs) And he I I enjoyed his his um performance, I suppose. Uh for the first book. So he did he did a good job so far. He did
0: a fantastic job.
3: (laughs) Yep. He did. Well I guess since you were talking about Max, I can bring him up. Um go for it. So Max Damage twenty four uh is I I get what you're saying absolutely about him having that energy of where you're just on this high and you're just winning, winning, winning all the time. Mm I absolutely see that. Uh, and it was interesting for me, and I will try and make spoilers as mild as possible for But yeah. for most of the first book, he has a pretty flat character arc, like he's, mm. he's going up against a lot of external threats and having external problems to solve, but not very much internally until we get pretty mm. close to the end. Um, yeah. And for a while, I was like, he's doing it. He's making his main you as in he, David, he's making his main character have a flat arc and I just n- never see that in in like starts of series um so mm. it was a little bit wild to me but you you were pulling it off <laughs> absolutely um and then <laughs> towards the end he does get a little bit of uh of internal conflict and development um did you did you intend the story to start out that way or
4: it's actually kind of free, cause,
3: it yeah
0: it's cuz the thing about it is so max is i guess for a lack of a better option he's the he's the hero of the series mm-hmm. and that is what it is but the point of the first one is sometimes the hero is not the one who matters yep um I, yep and so it's kind of like like sometimes it's not about it's not about being the guy that does everything sometimes it's about just supporting your friends mm-hmm. and so that's why he's sort of like through much of it, he's kind of just a badass that's just shooting stuff, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of has, mm-hmm. has to take a look at things as as he gets towards the end, you know?
3: Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Kira Bell, uh Max's mm. partner, uh, she plays the fairy class. You're listening to this and you haven't read the book. Um, or, I guess, fairy race. And then she plays yes. a, a feather? She's a breath mage. A breath, think, you. A, Breath yeah. Mage class. Um she it was their whole dynamic was really fascinating to watch mm-hmm. uh, throughout the first the first book. And I know that's congratulations, I know that's what you were going for. You did it very <laughs> well. Um but I really, I really enjoyed kind of just like the little slightest things that they would do, um, either to encourage each other or to um give each other a hard time, um, pick each other up. It was really, it was really nice to see like the subtlety of their relationship mm. at times. Um, whereas I think their rela- their interactions with a lot of the other characters in their group that maybe they weren't as good of friends with. Um, they had to they had to do bigger actions or or bigger mm. make bigger overtures, I suppose, to do the same thing that would it would just be like just bumping shoulders with each other or you mm. know just just a little nod.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of my favorite things with them, there's one scene towards the beginning where they're sort of being, it's whether or not they take on take on this mission that they're being assigned, and they just mm-hmm. sort of have a conversation without talking.
4: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
0: Just like weighing all the pros and cons, but never actually saying anything. Yeah. Um, and I sort of enjoy that about them. Uh, their, comp- their relationship over the series is kind of complex because it's, um, they're basically two best friends and they have this really positive relationship like on the surface, but there is... There's some more negative behaviors where some other relationship isn't as positive, positive. Um, mm-hmm. and sort yep. of as the um, as the series goes on, it's kind of meant to be them sort of growing to understand each other a little bit more um, as friends, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and i I can see just from what I've seen from the the first book, I can see you laying the groundwork for that mm-hmm. development. So I'm excited to see yeah. how that turns out. <laughs> So the world of Carpe Noctum um, Mm -hmm. again, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the book um, is uh, a video game that people can play while they're asleep. If they're Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, plugged in to this rig. Um, And so they can use all of their dream time, their sleep time to play in this world and then remember everything while they're awake. Um, And it, it absolutely takes off. It it has this massive impact on uh, on the economy. A lot of people start doing business in Noctum while they're asleep to try and, and make use of all this new time that they have. It's not just a fun place for people to play. Uh, that reminded me of the the article I saw last year, but people having business meetings in Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, art imitating life, or life exactly. imitating art, I suppose, here. <laughs> Um, but tell us, tell me a little bit about this, about your dream tech here, because this is, this is different than if people are familiar with other, you know, you wake up and now the story is the, the video game is your life. Um, yeah. tell me a little bit about how, why you decided to take this, the direction that you did.
0: I mean, one of the things that I re was really important to me in the start of this was I wanted to create a system and a world that was plausible, mm-hmm. um, that if technology was created, this is how it would be used um mm-hmm. based on what our our current society uses technology you know um because there's a lot of people that will make um make a story and it's it's all like all the ais are completely realistic like they're all individual things with their own personalities and i mean that just brings into the whole world of um are they real are they not is that is that a human a humanitarian problem, you know what I
4: mean? Mm-hmm,
0: yep. um, stuff like that. And um, so it's it's meant to be a world where, like, if you had access to this technology, I mean, businesses would try to use whatever they could to exploit it. Um, you've got, you know, other players would use whatever they can to exploit it. Mm-hmm. Um, the company itself is fortunately relatively supportive. <laughs> yes. okay with it, you know. Yes. Which is a little different, but...
3: Yeah, and that's I think that's the the most refreshing thing about this is usually when it's like, oh my goodness, you know, the effects in a video game have effect on real life. Usually the company is the big bad or someone in the company is the big bad. And and in this, in your setup here, the company is like, hey, um, we want to try and help make this right. And we're sorry (laughs) it happened. And you all get a ship. When we're done with this and all <laughs> of this real yeah. life money and, <laughs> um, so that was do a job.
4: Yeah, that awesome. was really nice. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. um, and it's fascinating that the way that people adapted the world of Noctum to then be able to make real life money, like you have people, mm. um, Ginger Snaps being one of them yeah. who who work in the dream world and then or mm-hmm. in Noctum uh, and then can then. Benefit off of their earnings. Uh, yeah, in, that's how, how she
0: supports her family. You know.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: absolutely. But, um,
0: I mean, the other thing is when it comes down to, I mean, a big reason for a big motivation for it is if you think about how everybody is today. I mean, we we have no time. You know,
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, we some people work two jobs. You know, some people they have a two hour commute trying to get somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Just being being given the gift of getting back, you know, eight hours at night that you can then use for something. Um, and whether you're using that for trying to earn extra money or trying to, you know, socialize, maybe you're just trying to go out with friends, um, or if you're using it to go fight gigantic monsters, like the characters in the book, but yeah, you know, yeah, there's options. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think, uh, I think you laid out really well, how real this world has become, uh, to the players that it was, um, it for some of them became way more important, um, than what we would consider the real world that, Mm. um, basically that they just took, they took crappy job so that you can work enough to afford your rig. And then you plug in and play games all night because that's, that's the thing that you want to be doing with your life is having adventures and hanging out with your friends.
0: Yeah. You're getting to make your own stories and things like
3: that. And it's really interesting. I will try and talk about this without spoiling too much. It's really interesting. (laughs) Uh, the way that you, um, basically the different characters start to realize in and of themselves how much real, how much more they value Noctum over their physical life, that it's made changes on how they express themselves, that they feel more comfortable sometimes being in, uh, being in Noctum, or that bad things that happen to them in Noctum are mm. much, more, much more impactful maybe than less ideal things that happen to them in real life.
0: Yeah, because um, I mean if they're spending a third of their life in there at that point,
4: mm-hmm. it's
0: like that's gonna become like a part of their lives. It's more than just like, you know, firing up, you know, an mm-hmm. MMO or something that you play for a few hours.
3: Yeah. I think about uh like Kirabel's conversation with Corvin about mm-hmm. um, you know, this is what it's like to get harassed. And yeah. uh, at first I was a little bit off put because I was like, well, Kirabel is played by Seth. Seth never has to deal with this in real life. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I was like, well, to Seth, Kirabel is as much a part of him as his physical body is. Mm. And you still, because of the, the technology of Noctum, you still get all of the, your brain fills in what the game isn't providing, basically, Yeah, um, which is a really neat thing. But also off like but also kind of negative in this in this sense. Um so for Seth slash Kiriba, this is <laughs> this is a problem. And mm. it it just shows how real and how important
4: Noctum has become
3: to him.
0: Yeah, and when her. it comes to that, I mean one thing that I, I think that we kind of have a lot of trouble with like in today's time is that perspectives of other people are kind of like kind of matter and I think we have a lot of a lot of people that are trying to not see the perspectives of other people as valid. Yeah. Um, so this was really a chapter to show the experiences of somebody else um, and what they've had to deal with and put up with. And it's sort of weird that you mentioned that chapter because it's, it's a chapter that sticks out pretty, pretty heavily in the series um, mm-hmm. because it is the chapter that earns me the most five stars in reviews,
4: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but it also earns me an occasional hate one star. <laughs>
3: oh
0: um because it's it's harsh um you know what i mean it's it's basically going through i've had a lot of people um comment to me and or message that that's a very accurately written chapter in -hmm. terms of what people have had to deal with um and in the way it's presented but some people don't want to hear that (laughs) so yeah so yeah yeah, that that gets me the one star (laughs)
3: yeah I imagine a very easy argument is like, Oh, this is a game. It doesn't matter. And that's exactly what you're trying to to discount. I think that argument exactly, in this yeah. chapter is saying this isn't just a game to these people yeah. this is this is important to them. this is their life
0: hmm. but even the fact that like when it is just a game, because I mean, one of the problems is that the stuff that goes on in that chapter, even though like there's less there's no physical element to it. um mm-hmm. there's um. I mean that behavior is it's constant in in video games. Yes, yes, and it absolutely. matters. It matters just as much there. You know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. And and that's why, for the large part, that's one of the reasons that I don't play many multiplayer games, <laughs> so that I can just know that I just have. If I'm going to be angry, it's I'm just going to be angry because I'm not good enough at this game to advance, <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: not because there are people giving me a bad time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
3: There is a lot of uh a lot of physicality to this game as it were i guess if you want to talk about it that um Mm. the action sequences uh Mm. in this book are really well written i was never confused about where anybody was i always knew what was going on um for the most part i could picture exactly all of the dungeons and the boss fights that you had set up Mm. um at one point, there's a very claustrophobic scene, and I was listening to this <laughs> while I was trying to fall asleep and try not oh, to have a mini, that. <laughs> a, mini, a mini panic attack <laughs> listening to uh, yeah. Kira Bell try and slide under this massive rock wall. Um, how do you set up your action sequences when you're writing? Uh, do you like sketch everything out on a, on a whiteboard? Do you just kind of, this is what feels natural? Uh, based on what's happened already and where I want my climax to be. How do you do it?
0: Um, well, so the, the um, so Party Hard is a book that I, I don't know if you, you're you familiar with the term uh, pantsing.
4: Yes, yes.
0: Yes, I, I pantsed this whole book. Um,
3: pantsing which- listeners being riding by the seat of your pants, meaning you're to some extent, Little making it plan. up as you go. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's no, there was no plan. Uh, that's not true. There was a, there's, there's a plan, but it's in my head, you know. Yeah. So um, the, I did know what I was doing, but um, I just didn't write anything out. Um, I do now, um, due to um, what my publisher would like from me, is that I do, do uh, outline things now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just so that they know what the books are going to be about before I write them. But, um, so that's always helpful but um but at the time i was not um i had done this written this book before i had had a contract and everything so mm-hmm. i just sort of like and i didn't know i i'm a great example of someone that does not know what they're doing um when they started out. <laughs> um so it's it's strange that it did well but um but it's one of those things where i sat down and just said, i'm gonna write a book because i've always wanted to write a book um it's something that i never thought i'd be able to do but it worked. Surprise. Yeah. But as far as <laughs> action sequence go, that's the thing that um, you know, of of the readers of this of our publisher or whatever, that's probably the thing that I'm I'm known for the most
4: mm-hmm. is
0: action sequences. And really the it kind of boils down to a couple different things. Um just a like writing it in the kind of character of the character so that mm-hmm. the the combat works like that character would fight if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. And um, the environment. um, But like, if I've got a really cool, I mean, the thing that you've got about a dream based game is you can have these really grand epic environments that are massive and, you know, whatever they can fight in a whole city or they can be just like a small claustrophobic hallway. Mm -hmm. Um, You can do anything with it. And using the environment built into the action really helps to sort of punch it up a bit. Um, The but the big most important thing about it is is basically the situation surrounding it. Um you can have an extremely well written action scene, um, or even just action scenes that are really well done in movies, and it can be Mm -hmm. either kind of bland or it can be fantastic if the story around it and the motivations and you know, the characterizations of the the people involved either matter or don't matter. Um so if you're you care more if they're they're fighting to save a friend. And you actually have an attachment to them,
4: you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's what makes them work. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: That's true. That's true. That does help quite a bit. And you all of your, all of your characters are all lovable in their own ways. Um, <laughs> so, and, and it was it was nice to have um, like a what do they call an ensemble an, an ensemble cast. Um, yeah, to where you get to know everybody a little bit. Um, mm. And see them work together all the time.
0: Yeah, most of them do get like at least a little bit of attention. Um, there's mm-hmm. couple, in the first book, there's a couple characters I don't get to spend nearly as much time as I'd like to on like Ginger or Keegan. Um, yeah, but they do get um, like as far since you are reading the second one. I absolutely mm-hmm. love where where Ginger's story goes. Um, Yay! She's one of my favorite characters. So
3: I was really uh. excited when she showed up uh, to <laughs> karaoke with her kids. Um, <laughs> I was really excited for that. Um, nice. I'm not much past the uh, the scene after uh, Alistair leaves the karaoke bar, so mm. I'm hoping her kids get to play a little bit bigger p- part in this book. We'll see. They
0: get they get a they get kind of a, a supporting role, not a huge
3: role.
4: That's fair.
0: But um fair. but one of them does get larger in the third book. Okay. So you
3: know. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> I look forward to it.
4: <laughs> it's a family um, affair.
3: Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I like those. <laughs> In addition to writing, you've done uh, and are still doing a lot of other stuff. Um, tell me about, I know that uh, you've done a video game, or not a video game, excuse me, a board game. Um, I know that you're still continuing to write um if you're working on other projects uh you're a designer what what all else are you doing with your life with your uh, well, multiple I jobs, I
0: done much design really um i do a little bit of design for just myself and and my wife's projects um but i was a graphic designer for over a decade before mm-hmm. i sort of did any of this and um i i don't really have an interest in going back to that <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's totally fair but, um,
0: in all honesty but um the uh i think writing is more reward re- eh, rewarding um if i had to say but um but yeah mm-hmm. we um we made um my wife and i run a company called uh poison fish games which mm-hmm. um some of you guys might might know or might not we made the game nova gertz which is the yes. game of art art and poor life choices <laughs> um, which is um if, if if you know me i i have a significant amount of tattoos um which that game is based on tattoos, um, mm-hmm. which is a fun, silly thing. But um, it's, uh, which I I mean, it's one of those things where your the whole goal is to get cool tattoos and look badass while making your friends look lame. <laughs> I'll point out that um, when it comes to tattoos, like get whatever you want. You don't really have to answer to anybody. Um, if you don't, you know, you can get whatever you want. Most of my tattoos that are in that game are not in the badass category. Um, Oh. (laughs) No, no. I'm pretty much covered with um, woodland creatures and flowers, so.
3: (laughs) I I like all of those.
0: (laughs) So they're not badass, but, you know, I like them.
3: But they're not bad. They're just maybe not badass. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I mean, I get a little fat mouse in a teacup, you know.
3: (laughs) That's adorable. (laughs) Oh, I will say that if you are interested, uh, Is your is your Patreon still alive? Still? Oh yeah, yeah. It's um. I
0: have a Patreon. I basically just um. I do have um. I have a book coming out um in two weeks, the twenty sixth, which I think this is airing when the twenty.
3: This will be, I think, right next to there, the twenty fourth. Yep.
0: Yeah. So like in two days when this airs, i (laughs) be coming out. Um, Yay! um, And my my Patreon is is up, and it's uh it's generally you get like a there's um you can read pretty much everything i've written on there um Mm -hmm. and um it's not always the final edit stuff um but it's you know work in progress stuff you know what i mean but um the first book of the new series because i've basically been working on uh since um march when like we all got locked into our houses um Mm -hmm. i've written three books in that time
3: wow oh my goodness Um,
0: which i'm finishing up the i just finished the third one uh, last week, um, mm-hmm. or the first draft at least. Um so I'm just doing my edits now. But yeah. um before sending it to act the actual editor. Um but yeah so there's a new series um which is kind of a horror comedy um that is coming out.
3: I'm um, very excited for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's
4: that's
0: that's what we do. It's it's a fantastic series because it's it's you still get the same like kind of humor and um action as you know mm-hmm. the pixel death series but it's um it's a great deal more violent <laughs> oh, okay but um but in a um in a i want to say i don't want to say cartoonish way i want to say light-hearted violence
3: i don't know okay comedic violence
0: um, i mean i don't i don't know it's just like it's it's a very unique character the main character is kind of like a heavily flawed guy <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's he's been a, a ton of fun to write um i played i played that i played him as a D character once oh um and like after i wrote the first book i was just like i'm gonna play that as a character and it turned out to be like the best campaign we've ever done you know oh wow <laughs> yeah but um just he's an unpredictable jerk <laughs> so i look forward to that releasing in two days apparently when this airs
3: no pressure that's exciting and the book is yeah. the book
0: is called ravenous
3: ravenous yeah. wonderful adding to wish list now um <laughs> but i bring up patreon because if, apparently if you pay david enough money he will get a tattoo of your oh, designing on there yeah on his um, body
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a leftover from when we did our kickstarter for our um our card game um which mm-hmm. that was that was like the joke option that we put up there it was like five thousand mm-hmm. dollars and I'll, I'll get a tattoo of whatever you want within reason nothing horribly offensive but um sure and tech i would have done it but i did not expect anyone to pay me five thousand no. uh, dollars
3: <laughs> no takers yet
0: no no but i did i translated it over to um my patreon because i was just like oh, why not no one's gonna do it it'll be silly <laughs> Um, And then someday someone's going to do it. Um, Of course. But I don't care. Why not?
3: Well, thank you so much for for talking to me today, David. I'm excited to keep reading in the series to check out Ravenous in (laughs) the future. Um, Where can people find you online?
0: Um, You can find me a number of places. Um, My website is just david-petri.com. The dash is important because there is another David Petri, apparently. Who oh. has a website <laughs> so there's a dash in the middle um you know I'm uh, I'm on Facebook uh Twitter is uh, my username is tavern told tales um, okay. which is the same on um is the same on Instagram actually um so I'm there the easiest place to find me though um so the publisher that I write for is called Mountaindale press mm-hmm. um they do in the lit RPG, um genre, they do a lot of, like, the, the best books, you know?
4: Well, <laughs> so, awesome.
0: um, uh, that's, that's a, a great company to work for if you're lucky enough to get in there. But, um, I run their Twitch channel um, that we oh, just yeah. started mm-hmm. um, like, last month. Um, and so that's probably the easiest way to um, to find me. Just, you can just go on and say hi. Um, but yeah, that's just Mountaindale Press on, at Twitch,
4: you know? Very cool.
3: Uh, Again, thank you, David, so much for oh, coming no on today. Um, thank you for I'm Ad- me. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, I'm Madeline Turnipseed. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Mad underscore Seed. I'm around the Love Thy Nerd community Facebook page and the Discord all the time. Um, while you're hanging out with Lovely Nerd, please check out all of our other podcasts. Uh, we have Humans of Gaming and uh, Free Play and uh, the Pollist and. Um, Church Nerds, and Two Words, and LTN Book Club. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us today, and we will talk to you later.
1: This has been the LTN Book Club. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com book club.